This is Todd Adams. And this is Kathy Adams. And this is Zen Parenting Radio brought to you by Avid Company. And um, you always make fun of me because I say we're going to talk about a lot of things. You always start the show by saying we're going to talk about a lot of things. Because you want to know why? It's because we are going to talk about a lot of things. I know, but you know what happens when I listen to our show? Tell me what happens. I realize the things we say over and over again. Yeah. One of them is we're going to talk about a lot of things. And we're going to talk about installments and snippets. And you know what the other thing is? We both say absolutely. Oh, absolutely. All the time. I absolutely never say that. Absolutely. I, I absolutely do think we say that. So it's fun to listen because I pick up on things. No piano, no guitar. Just our voices. I'm getting better at the piano, but now I'm playing with both my left and my right hand, and it's very, very confusing. It sounds good. It sounds good. I'm getting, uh, I'm on Jingle Bells right now, and I can't for the life of me believe that you can read the piano music on both your right hand and your left hand and play at the same time. You know what I, what I would relate it to? What? It's like driving. When you're first learning to drive a car, you can't believe that you can have your foot on the pedal, have your hands on the steering wheel, listen to the radio, look at, I put listen to the radio <laughs> first, I love that, um, look out, you know, your windshield and figure out what to do with turn signals, et cetera, but somehow you put it together and you will put it together. Don't forget about texting. And that's no. And drive no and driving with your knee. Do you know what I just heard? I know you drive with your knee. I just heard that texting while driving is the same as having four drinks before driving. So if you text and have four drinks, you have eight drinks in you. That's right. And okay. it's ten times worse. Or no, eight times worse. Yeah, I would say it would be weird if it was four times, four I'm e- times. I'm exaggerating, but regardless, all of it's bad. Okay. It's all so, bad. So no texting and no driving with your knee anymore. Public service announcement. I will continue to drive with my <laughs> knee, but I'll do a better job at not texting while driving. Well, and you really usually don't text. You just have your phone. I usually look at something really quick. Yes, and I don't like that. But anyway, did you want to say something about our show last week? Money was the topic. And just a really quick tip, even though we didn't necessarily talk much about, you know, parenting as far as your kids and money management, we talked a little bit about it. But one tip that I heard a long time ago, because me being thrifty McSaves a lot and spends a lot of money at restaurants eating out because we're not big cookers in our family. Right, we eat out a lot. I am going to start uh, offering to pay my daughters 50 cents every time they order water instead of apple juice or lemonade. You know, I can't believe you just brought this up because we've talked about this before. Yeah. I don't love that idea. Why? I, I don't think we should pay them for choices. Well, this is what happens. You pay them 50 cents. Right. And they're 50, it's going to be 50 cents they get anyways. Plus, they're not drinking high fructose corn syrup. Right. Um, so it's a win-win. You're basically just giving them money you'd give them anyways, and you're teaching them not to drink pop. But you know what? I would say, why don't we, you know, talking about the limit setting, Mm -hmm. which we talked about last time, why wouldn't we just say no, you can't have juice, instead of saying, hey, I'm going to pay you to not have juice. It's kind of like paying for grades. Yeah, I guess so. It's just, um, I don't know. I just thought it was kind of a neat idea, and here you are dogging me for it. Well, because it's, I I said to you right before the show, what are you going to talk about? And you said... Uh, just hold on. I'm going to talk about something. Well, you want to know why? Because if I would have talked to you about it beforehand, you would have been like, that's a bad idea. Well, and I wouldn't call it a bad idea. I just think it's it it's something we have discussed this before. Mm-hmm. And I thought we had come to the conclusion that really that is like paying for grades. I mean, in a different capacity. You're paying them to make a different choice instead of just saying we expect decent grades. Right. Again, we're not really focused on grades right now. But do we expect them to not drink lemonade? Yeah. But I, we give them lemonade. Well, but we don't every time. 
we don't all the time. That's kind of like a Friday thing. Well, it all depends on whether or not it comes with the kids' meal or not. Totally different thing, right? First thing I do is when I look (laughs) at the kids' meal is if the drinks come with it because all of a sudden you get three drinks for two bucks. That's six bucks plus a 20% tip. All of a sudden you're $10 more into it. I know. I hear you. So I just can't stand that. I know. And and you and I are on the same page that if it comes with the meal, cool, thumbs up. But if it's extra, no way. And so right there, Todd, mm-hmm. why are we paying anybody for a drink right there in that situation? Now, I think your point is well taken. If there is a situation where the child is really always used to getting mm-hmm. the drink, right. then you can start to change their thinking by saying, I hey, give you as an incentive cents. Right, for, an incentive so for yeah, I mean, paying them for it is probably bad terminology. But, right. you know, pre- hey, you can either have lemonade and not get any money or right. I'll give you a quarter and you can have lem- and you can have water. Well, and how about this? Like on birthdays, mm-hmm. you know, when our kids or any other kid wants a gift, they're like, "I want this." You know, like Cameron still wants the Barbie diamond castle that she wanted when she was four. Working on it. Yeah, we're still working on that one. Can't find it. I know. Um, in, we could say to her, "Sure, you can have the Barbie diamond castle, or you can have the money right. that it costs to buy a Barbie diamond castle." Right. I think at this point, because she's six, she'd want the Barbie diamond castle. Right. She doesn't get it yet. But I do like the choice of money. Or thing. Right. And that I, I would completely agree with. We'll work it out. We are six, five minutes into it. So let's get into not last week. Let's talk about this week. Okay. Um, but you also want to talk about an old show that had something to do with. Well, I think that what we're going to. Is gonna, that going to just kind of rope into it, what we'll we're rope talking into about? It. I wanted to talk about connection today and how as parents, it is our responsibility to stay connected to our kids. Okay. And what I mean by that is I think that um, oftentimes we. Maybe we're really connected to our kid for whatever reason. Like um, I'll use an example of maybe there's a dad and his son, and there and his son's eight, and he loves to go fishing with his dad, and so they connect on that level, and they're really they're tight. Mm-hmm. And then the son maybe turns ten, eleven, and is not really interested in fishing anymore. Okay. And so the dad will be like, oh, I can't connect with my son anymore. He doesn't like to fish. I don't know who he is anymore. And they start to drift apart. Okay. And I, as a parent coach, I feel like I've had these situations with people I've worked with before. What I would say to the dad, it is that is a loss mm-hmm. that your son doesn't want to fish anymore. But it is your responsibility then to figure out a way to connect in a different way to your son, that you don't just let all those ties mm-hmm. float away and say, well, he doesn't fish, so see you later, son. You figure out a way to connect that is different. Devil's advocate. So okay. what if the dad says, you know what, I tried, it's just not working. So, you know, and he's not making much of an effort, so... Why do I have to make such an effort? Well, I guess my, my question would be was explain to me how you tried. You know, how did you try? You, well, you be the dad. Let's role play. Well, um, I asked him if he wanted to go fishing, and he said no. So then I said, do you want to go to a baseball game? And he said no to that too. So I, I tried, and the kid is just, you know, I don't know what to do now. Well, I would say to the dad, did you ask your son what he likes to do? No, because I want to do what I want to well, do. Well, and then there, therein lies the problem. Okay. You're you're kind of hitting the nail on the head. Well, and where I was going with that is that sometimes I've had conversations with friends or family members or whatever, and they talk about, well, you know, they're not, you know, they're the younger one. They're the, the adult is acting as if they're on the same level. Right. And that's it's so like a mu- peer relationship. It's a peer relationship when it's not. We are the parents, and it is our job to make the connection. Now... Would you say that they have to meet us halfway? I don't even know if they have to meet us halfway. They need to meet us a quarter of the way. It's our job to step over that 50% line and pull them in if you feel like they're drifting apart. I I think that is one of our primary responsibilities as a parent. And I know that some people will disagree with me on Mm -hmm. this. 
but I really think that the connection with our children begins with us. Does that mean they can walk all over us and treat us like crap and we say, okay, that's fine? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if the relationship starts to fall apart for whatever reason, we are the adult, okay? And when our children grow up and they're adults, we are still the parent. And so we have to role model and show them a way to reconnect. And maybe that way is basically, let's talk about um, a parent who has an adult child and the adult child isn't very kind to them. Perfect. Well, the, the parent needs to say, you are not very kind to me. Mm-hmm. You are hurting my feelings. That is not okay with me. Mm-hmm. But I love you enough to tell you this and let you know that I respect myself enough right. to not be treated this way. So what you're saying is if you have, let's say I'm a 50-year-old dad and I have a 25-year-old daughter and... Even though the 25-year-old daughter is an adult, she can make her own decisions, I'm still the dad. So not that there's levels of superiority in the relationship, but I'm the dad, so it's really up to me to reach out and make that connection. To begin that process. And again... I, I want to clarify that there are extreme situations in here where it there's maybe um, challenges in the family that go beyond what we're talking about. Right. You know, maybe there is a child who's been awful to the family or have had an addiction issue or something that goes beyond what we're talking right. about. You and I are talking about the typical situations right. where maybe, you know, you get mad at each other because a child says a certain thing or doesn't come to dinner mm-hmm. one night or doesn't show up for Christmas or whatever. And so we get into these little tiffs in our family where it's like, who's going to win? Right. And I think my belief system is as the parent, it is part of, of my job mm-hmm. to maintain that connection. And if they have to do some work too. But what I'm saying is as the parent, we need to be willing to reach out and try something new. Right. That we don't just say, well, forget about it. You know, my child needs to come to me and my child needs to take care of me and my child needs to make me feel good. We are the parent. Right. And so let's bring it back down to a level of where the children are young. Okay. Because I think this may resonate with our audience a little more. Okay. So um, let's talk about a situation where, because you hear about this a lot, dads who have daughters. Right. Okay. So say there's a dad who has a little girl who's interested. Well, I'm going to talk to you. You have three daughters who are interested in things that you aren't interested in at all. Correct. So how do you handle that? I need to become interested in it and invest in it because even though I guess I wouldn't be interested in it if they were not a part of it, say it's ballet. I don't know. I'm just making stuff up. I'm automatically interested in it because she is interested in it. Right. So even though if she wasn't in the equation and somebody asked me, hey, do I like ballet? My answer would be no, of course I don't because it looks silly and there's nothing that's fun about it. (laughs) To you. To me. Because there's plenty of ballet dancers out there. Right. Billy Elliot, sweetie. I I do not mean to offend all the ballet dancers in our audience. Okay. I'm sure there's literally tens of them. Well, I love ballet. I think it's beautiful. Yeah. And um, so, no, I think the whole point of being a parent is to love your child pretty much unconditionally. I don't know if unconditionally. Yeah, that's a good word. And if they take an interest in something I have no interest in, well, all of a sudden, you know what? I'm interested. I I never played soccer before in my life. I never, I mean, I, I played in college during intramurals on the B team, and we were really bad, and it was awful, but... I have, I have never heard the Pikes not being good at, at some well, the kind B of sport. Team. The Pikes were good at the A team, but oh. I was on the B team, oh, and we were that. we were horrible. I was on the B team in basketball. Yes, you were on plenty of B teams. 
but let's Plenty. not but let's not get into that. Okay, good. You were good at palms though. I was. Okay. I wasn't good at basketball. So anyways, I've never played soccer in my life except for uh, messing around in college, but now all of a sudden I find myself being the head coach of a soccer team. Yeah. So no, I, I guess I didn't grow up loving soccer, but you know what? I love it now because my oldest daughter is very in- interested in it. So right. I don't know. I guess you just because they're your kid, you just become interested in it. And if you're not, I don't know, examine your – that doesn't mean you devote all of your energy to stuff that your kids are interested in. You still have your own stuff. Right. I mean, I go out and play golf with my friends, but I also invest whatever it is my kids are interested in in that. You know, if Cameron starts singing and we end up going to recitals, then, you know, I'm all about it. Well, and, you know, maybe a, just a language switch because you're saying, okay, my daughter's interested in soccer, so I have to become interested in soccer. Why don't we say – my daughter is interested in this, and I'm interested in my daughter. Okay. So this is, and it's just a little Semantics, switch. Of, yeah, it's right. just a switch in words. So instead of putting this burden of you have to become interested in every single thing your children are interested in, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily you have to become an expert in those things. Mm-hmm. Is that you have to show an interest in what they are interested in? Right. That is our job as a parent. I think something that tends to happen a lot is we. We have all these interests, right? We have all these dreams when we have kids. Sure. That we're that are we've talked about this on previous shows. We've had dream we have dreams that we have a child and they're gonna love exactly what we love. Mm-hmm. They're gonna wanna do the things we did. They're gonna have the same experiences and we get to somewhat relive it through them right. or we get to at least share with right. them. And the truth is, is they come in with their own agenda, the their own things that they like, and our job is to help them kind of find those things and discover those things, which means we need to become more interested in them mm-hmm. and what they like rather than say, I fish, you fish. I play baseball, you play baseball. That's our stuff. Right. Yeah, well, you want to nurture that process and you want to allow it to happen organically instead of forcing your interest upon your kids. I mean, there's so many stories out there of, you know, Jimmy Pearsall was a baseball player and he had a dad who just, you know, he ended up hating baseball because his dad just kind of pounded baseball into him every day and every night. And the guy ended up being really good, but he ended up going a little cuckoo because his dad just messed him up so bad. That's like uh, Field of Dreams. Yeah, Ray Kinsella, yeah. Field of Dreams, Kevin Costner, um, he, you know, his dad made him play baseball to the point where he ended up hating it. And they ended up hating each other, mm-hmm. and, and they had to re- they had to come back together until in, the end in of the Ghost movie. World. And I go back and forth on what the better baseball movie is, Field of Dreams or Bull Durham, because they're both awesome, but they're very different movies. I, I think it's Field of Dreams. Well, I was going to say, I love them both. I mm-hmm. really do. But Field of Dreams is just, I it's mean. It's magical. It's magical, and you, they so earn that ending. They sure do. They, you, you are, I could just watch the last 30 minutes and be like, this is the best movie I've ever yeah, seen in my it's, life. It's a ridiculously amazing movie. And some people say The Natural is a really good baseball movie, but I don't know. The Natural never really that, did it for me. but it didn't do much. I didn't get as emotional as I did it with Field of Dreams. So I think it goes Field of Dreams and then Bull Durham and then maybe Major League. I was going to say Major League. Yeah, you got to throw Major that League. in there. Um, so, uh, getting back to our kids, here's the deal. Um, one of my daughters is very physical. She's affect- affectionate physically. Like mm-hmm. she likes hugs, she likes kisses and all that. Um, and I'm talking about JC, mm-hmm. um, but there's probably going to be a time in her life where she's a teenager and all of a sudden it's not as cool to hug your dad mm-hmm. and it's not as cool to kiss your dad. Right. She won't be as affectionate just because not... she'll be more conscious of her li- her, her body and her uh, woman. Yeah. I mean, she's going to start developing and mm-hmm. getting stuff in the chestal region <laughs> and all that stuff. Can, can you say breasts or is that No, chest, chestal region <laughs> is what I'm going to go Didn't with right Didn't we do now. a show about how to talk about body parts Yeah, I need normally? to re- I need to re-listen. <laughs> re-listen to that so I start saying the B word instead of chestal region. 
But anyways, so all of a sudden, fast forward eight years, and I have a 15-year-old daughter or however how, however old she's going to be. Um, my thing is um, I can still become physically affectionate with her just in different ways. I can give her foot massages. Mm-hmm. I can do certain things, and I could start that now. I mean, I do that now. You do that now. I give her foot massages because there's nothing – I think there will probably be certain things that where we can still physically connect without embarrassing her in right. front of her friends or whatever it is. Right, like the physical connection with her is going to change mm-hmm. because she's not going to be able to jump on your lap and be all over you the way she is when she's little. Right. But you want to maintain. This is a great. This is a great thing to talk about, Todd, because this is more literal mm-hmm. as far as connection. Before we were talking about connected, like relationship wise. This is a physical connection. Mm-hmm. How can we maintain that physical touch with our kids in a way that they will still be comfortable with? Mm-hmm. And you having three little girls, mm-hmm. it's going to be an interesting process. But, you know, I, I have shared with you before when we've talked about this that my dad, you know, obviously that had to change with me. You mm-hmm. know, when I was a little girl, I was affectionate with my dad in certain ways. And when I grew up, I obviously didn't want to be mm-hmm. that way. But he would just, he just, and he still does this, he just put his arm around me. Mm-hmm. You know, we'd be sitting on the couch and he'd put his arm around me. And so his hand was on my shoulder. And that was fine and comfortable and great and we stayed connected mm-hmm. that way and so you know and we always still hugged mm-hmm. and gave him a kiss on the cheek but you maintain that instead of I think a lot of dads get so uncomfortable with that change yeah. that they just completely disconnect mm-hmm. yeah and and not not all but you you've heard stories from friends before that have done that wasn't there someone you were telling me about who I, he had a little girl. He had she wasn't little anymore, but she was older. And he was saying, "Ah, she's not interested in me anymore." Yeah, and, and he, he was just like kind of done with it. Yeah, he didn't know what else to do, and I don't think he was actively making a bad decision. I think he didn't know where to turn, and maybe if he could, maybe looked within and tried to figure some things out. And because if you wait for your 15 year old daughter or to son come, yes. to come to you, it's not going to happen. I don't remember a lot about my teenage years, but I just remember being a very challenging, confusing time. Yes. And if we're going to sit there and wait for our kids to make the first move to, you know, connect, whether it's emotional or physical, you're going to be waiting a long time. So we need to have these awarenesses now. So maybe you're in that position right now and you figure out a new way to do it. Maybe it's something as simple as putting your arm around uh, your daughter, your son. And, you know, I think there's a lot of different dynamics. There's mothers with sons and mothers with daughters and fathers with sons. Like So many different relationships. All of a sudden, is it not cool to kiss your son? I mean, oh, I'm already hearing that from my friends. I'm yeah. already hearing from you know children who are six, seven, eight, where they drop them off at school and they'll say, "Mom, drop me off a block away," mm-hmm. or "Mom, don't hug me before I get out of the car." This happens a lot earlier. So here's the thing: if and when that happens, and I'm sure it happen, it will happen to us. The thing is, we could either hold on so tight, saying, "No, what? I'm your mother. Then I need you to give me a kiss right. in front of all your friends." Just let it go. Right. You don't have to be in front of the school grounds to give your son a kiss and a hug. Right. You can be at home and do it right. where it's much safer. You know, all of a sudden when you're in your teenage years, your friends are a lot more important to you than they used to be. So if you can wait until you get home to connect physically or emotionally, then do it. I mean, you need to let them. You need to allow. You need to allow them to kind of fly away a little bit. And not be, you know, I get this question a lot, not be so offended by mm-hmm. it. I think so many parents will say, oh, my daughter didn't kiss me, and I'm so offended that she did. She, they may not even use the word offended, but they'll say, oh, I just can't believe they didn't want me to, you know, pull up in front of the school. And we have to let go of the being offended part. The, our children are doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing, yeah. which is growing and differentiating mm-hmm. from us. They're separating from us because they have to. 
do you guys, I'm going to talk to the microphone, do you guys know how much your children love you mm. and how intense that love is? And for them to become their own people, they have to push you away a little bit. If they don't, then it's hard for them to become who they are. Like that kid from 16 Candles. Yeah, who doesn't want to go to the dance. Who doesn't want to go to the dance. And he just says, I want to be with you guys. <laughs> and, and, the, and her parents are, are pushing him into the dance. <laughs> But it is like that. And, you know, when I was doing more therapy work, I had so many parents come to me and say, oh, my child's 13 and I feel like, you know, he just is separating from me and doesn't want to be with me and it hurts my feelings. And I always say to them, I would be more concerned if your child was not doing that because that's exactly what he or she is supposed to be doing. And then herein lies the conversation that you and I are trying to have. That is the signal that we need to find another way to connect with them. Right. Because the old way of, of giving them, showering them with hugs and kisses before they go into the school isn't working anymore. Mm -hmm. So we have to, you know, it's okay to grieve that. Mm -hmm. I would, of course, I'll be sad mm -hmm. when that day comes too. There's nothing wrong with having the feelings of sadness. But trying to change it or stop it or think it's wrong, mm -hmm. that's where the problem lies. Well, and I, I've, I think I've said on one of our shows, there, there's a certain intensity. If you're just saying, you're, maybe there's a, a dad out there saying, you know, I just can't even talk to my son or my daughter. They don't even talk to me. They're just, right. they're just quiet the whole time. And what I have uh, seen from talking to other people is they sit there and sit across from the dinner table and stare at them in the eyes and say, let's connect, let's talk and all that. And it's a really intense situation. Yeah. So Intimidating. Very intimidating. So maybe you talk while you're in the car where everybody's faces are going out the windshield. Or maybe you talk while you're playing PlayStation 2 where it's a very non-defensive non-intense situation. I mean, I remember Dr. Phil, I don't watch that show, but I don't know where I heard it, but he says he has some of his best conversations when he's playing Wii or PlayStation with his son. Right. And, you know, those are great new opportunities for talking. Mm -hmm. And what I would say on top of that is find something other than talking. Mm -hmm. For example, um, the other night I had a full day where I actually didn't get to see my oldest daughter because I was out of the house before she got up and then I came home after she went to bed, which that rarely happens. And so before I left, I wrote her a note mm -hmm. and I said, I'm sorry I didn't see you today. I missed you. I thought about you. Hope you had a great day. I'll see you in the morning. Can't wait to see you. When I got home and looked at her in bed, that note was sleeping next to her. Mm. And so I didn't get to, you know, I could have called her or said, Todd, tell her this for me. But I wrote this note and it, I could tell just by where it was placed on her pillow that it meant a lot to her. So maybe if our children don't want to have deep conversations, maybe we can write them notes yeah. or email them or, in, you know, text them. Right. That, that can sometimes become our, our mask mm -hmm. or keeps us away from connecting. But maybe that is a way to connect. Well, and, and I think what you're trying to say is just get creative. I yeah, mean, get don't creative. just try one thing. Just, right. you know, this is your freaking kid you need to thank you, you know, just need to figure it out and if something doesn't work keep Try trying to do something, something else. else and i think another thing is um i'm married to you and you are a social worker and you really understand um how these child's these children's brain develop but i think a lot of parents don't know that and not that we're going to go through child development right now on the show but maybe there's some things that we can put on our website to you know books or something because you know a 13 year old isn't supposed to be the same as an 8 year old absolutely and maybe <laughs> I just we said absolutely <laughs> maybe we can um you know try to give our, our audience some resources of books or well, websites I, or something. I do have one. Um, a lot of times when I do presentations, people will say, what's the one book I should buy? Which, of course, I say mine. <laughs> Absolutely. And actually, you should buy two just in case you want to read just, it a second time. Or give it to someone you love. Um, right. I really don't say mine. I, I usually just say, 
I don't believe we can get all of our answers from books. We can get some information from books that may guide us, but really we've got to go with our gut and our own and how our children are. We can't take someone's advice on every step of the way. But what we can understand, like Todd said, is developmental stages. And there's a book out there called Ages and Stages, and it's written by a bunch of people. Um, it's not the only developmental book out there, but if you went on Amazon and, and Googled Ages and Stages, it's kind of one of those books that um, gives you an idea of where kids are going to be at certain ages. But I do want to add a disclaimer that it doesn't mean they have to be mm -hmm. at certain places at certain times. For example, you know, it'll say, oh, a, you know, child typically walks around 12 to 14 months. Well, if your child's 15 months and is not walking, that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with your child. These are just general times, you know, that, that things occur. But as our children get older, it does give, give us an idea of where they are at cognitively. So our expectations are at that level rather than they should, you know, it's like children who are under eight years old, they, they think very black and white, they don't think abstractly, right. yet we ask them to do abstract things right. and we, they don't understand how to do that and we get angry at them. So I think the moral of the story is equip yourself with information to put yourself in the best position to thrive as a family and as a parent and everything else. One thing I wanted to go back to was the idea, we talk a lot about mom mode and dad mode and there's times when our, you know, whether it's JC or Cameron or Skyler, they will just be in dad mode. And what I mean yeah. by that is they will shun Kathy. Yeah. And they will just love me. They'll like just be so into me. They'll daddy wants, let daddy read me a book. Let daddy put me to bed and all that. Or vice versa. They will be in mom mode. And in the beginning, when JC was young, I'm like, wow, she really doesn't like me right now, mm. does she? And it took me a while to figure out, oh, it's just, it's mom mode or dad mode. And there's weeks or months or moments where your kid just prefers one over the other and right. that's okay it is okay and we actually we tr we like get something from it because if Skylar's in dad mode I'm like okay you're in charge of bedtime you're in charge of this because I know it vacillates I know it'll come it's not and I'm not trying we're not competing right I think a lot of parents compete mm -hmm. for their children's love right. like who does my child want to be with more who does my child think is more fun and you and I are I, I and we work on this but we're pretty clear about what our roles are and who we are right. in their life and there are certain things that they go to mom for and certain things that they go to you for and we both have established a relationship with them for different reasons and in different ways and when they're in mode with you I'm like hey have mm -hmm. at it honey well you know? one thing that's critical is to you know it's not like you and I are in 100% agreement on everything but we no. are usually in agreement on most important things and it's important to parent from the same place. I know that there's a lot of families out there that, you know, if the kid doesn't get what she wants from mom, then she'll go to dad oh, yeah. and then get it. And that's just a really toxic situation. It is. And I know it happens a lot. And so. confusing for the child. Very Not only so. can it be harmful for the partner relationship, mm -hmm. but it can be very confusing for the child because then that boundary is very unclear. Right. And they don't really know the word no. They just know the word no from someone and then they can go to someone else and get their needs met. In the moment, it feels good for them, right. but the psychological response is, oh, I don't have any boundaries. Mm -hmm. No one really tells me no. Right. So, you know, that's not a great thing. So that's all good stuff. Um, what else do you have? Anything else you want to add? Um, well, I, I think that was what I wanted to say about connection. I just, you know, to kind of wrap it up, the, the thing that's most important is that, you know, I can sit here and use big words like it's your responsibility, but that we own that responsibility it's I'm not it's not something where I'm you know trying to make you feel bad about it but having a realization of your role in the relationship just by the nature of being the parent 
when there is a disconnect, we can take the first step towards reconnect, and especially when they're little. When right. they get older, things I know things change, and you know maybe we shouldn't you know go that far into um, child-parent uh, relationships because things do become more peer-related. Right. But the truth is, is that when they're little, if we're feeling like oh they're kind of drifting away, like I was just thinking about the movie American Beauty. Mm-hmm. Remember how you know the dad is talking about how he and Janie, you know, they used to be so close and they used to do stuff together all the time, and then now she doesn't want be with me and what's her problem what's mm-hmm. wrong with her mm-hmm. and every time I watch that movie which isn't too often but the times I have I'm like dude it's not her mm-hmm. she is growing and changing you need to figure out how to get to know her now mm-hmm. as a as a as a growing girl as mm-hmm. a as an almost woman right instead of trying to make her the 10 year old that she used to be because she's not a 10 year old not anymore. a 10 year old and so those are just you know examples of trying to you know, realize your role in the situation. Well, and the only advice that I'll give is just be creative and try different things and don't be so structured. I mean, there's stru- structure is important in certain parts of the family dynamic, but, you know, if something's not working, just be silly and get crazy and think of something different and have fun with it. Don't get so serious. And I say that because it's probably advice I can take myself. Well, because, yeah, and you do a lot of that, too. Maybe right. you need to take that advice, but you also, when the girls, you know, don't want to connect on one level, mm-hmm. you can find silly ways to connect with them. And then for those of you who your children are, are more serious, you know, try writing notes. Try um, being honest with them and saying, I miss you. I wish we could spend more time together. What could we do that would be fun for you? Right. Just that question alone could open up a whole new, instead of you don't do what I want to do anymore, kid. Right. It's like, right. that's your stuff. So. Okay. Uh, promote your book, please. Uh, Self-Aware Parent. Um, and it's uh, go to my website, kathycassaniadams.com. Um, go to our Facebook page, Zen Parenting Radio. Um, please become a fan. Tell us what you are interested in hearing about, and we'll talk about it. Um, I also have a Facebook page for my book, The Self-Aware Parent. And um, we love comments, so please bring them on. Avid Company, if you're thinking of doing a new bathroom, new basement, new kitchen, and you lived in the Chicagoland area, please give them a call, 630-956-1800, avidcompany.net, A-V-I-D-C-O.net, or you can go to Zen Parenting. We have a link on our website. Um, So, yeah, and then help us uh, forward uh, our Zen Parenting Radio Facebook page to as many uh, friends as you can uh, because we're trying to grow it. We are growing. So thank you for listening because it's growing fast, but we are – we're ready to keep moving. We're we're trucking. So anyways, my uh, movie line for this week is, I like you, Mary. I like you a lot. (laughs) So if you know what that's from, uh, log on to our Facebook page and maybe you'll get a free book. All right. So this is Todd Adams saying have a wonderful week. And this is Kathy Adams. See you later. Bye-bye.